We're so glad you've joined us. Right now, it's Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. Oh my goodness, this is a hairy, scary time of the year. There is so much going on and our schedules are busy. And I think also with the Christmas season comes some just emotional, emotionally, it can be hard and draining and for lots of different reasons, emotionally, physically, maybe spiritually, just a lot, right? But the Christmas story is peace on earth. If you look at Luke 2, we'll see that the angels appear to shepherds. One angel first appears and says, hey, I've got good news. It's going to be for everyone. And then there's a whole bunch of angels and they declare together, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. But it's confusing because Christmas is all about peace on earth, but we're not experiencing peace on earth. There's addiction in the world. There's broken homes. I'm not saying, you know, that people who are addicted is bad. I'm saying good people are dealing with addiction and it's hard. Mm -hmm. And there's broken homes and that's really hard too. And there's sex trafficking going on and just all kinds of things that are not, we're so aware the world is not as it should be. It's not shalom. It's not peace on earth. So it's confusing. What is this peace on earth that the angels were declaring? Well, they said peace to those on whom his favor rests. When Jesus came, he came for all of humanity and invited all of us to come into right relationship with him. But those of us who say yes to the invitation are those on whom his favor rests, those who trust in Jesus and give their life to him. We get to experience peace, not just when we make the decision to follow him, because peace does enter right at that moment, but every day as we continue to live out that commitment of trusting God. But you're not saying that when we give our lives over to Jesus, that everything is, is peaceful and easy and we don't have conflict and we don't have struggles. Exactly. I mean, we still live in this world and Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble, right? But he also said, my peace I give you, not as the world gives you. So don't let your heart be troubled. Yeah. I give you myself. Yeah. I give you my presence. I give you my spirit. And I'm that constant in all of the raging, swirling circumstances of life. I'm peace. Right. I want to come in to the places where there's not peace and I want to give you peace. And that happens not because we prayed a prayer once, but it happens as we trust in him, Mm -hmm. as we continue to choose, not just that one day decide, but like continue to choose to invite Jesus into the spaces where we're not experiencing peace. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So our job in the equation is just to rely on God. It's just to trust him, to bring the person of peace, the prince of peace into the circumstances where we need peace and then do what he says, follow his lead. Just watch and step right where his feet had been and just step right there and follow him. And we'll get to experience peace in those areas of our life where we're trusting him. And I experienced that peace once again yesterday as I worshiped with the people in my church and had an opportunity at the end of the service to just go up and get some prayer. And I needed that prayer. You know, I needed to be reminded that I'm forgiven, Mm -hmm. just been carrying around some condemnation And the message was just so life-giving and so liberating and just realized again, Perry, you need to forgive yourself. Mm. You're carrying around some condemnation. 
and you've been carrying it around for some time. And it was like, I didn't realize it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's something that I know I need to do in my life. You know, this constant awareness of preaching the gospel to myself, accepting God's forgiveness. But the Holy Spirit needed to open my eyes again to the fact that I was carrying this and I had a chance to experience peace. And it took me getting up out of my seat and going up front Mm -hmm. and meeting with, let's see, it was, it was Rob and, and his wife and they prayed with me and it was, it was so wonderful to again experience the peace in the Mm -hmm. midst of turbulence. Yeah. I mean, that's the peace of Christ is such a beautiful gift to our right now life. We know that in being reconciled to God in relationship with him, that we have peace for all eternity and we get to be with him in heaven and we long for that in its fullness. But I think sometimes we forfeit the opportunity to experience it right here, right now, because we choose not to trust in him in our circumstances. Mm -hmm. Like if you want peace in your finances, then surrender your finances to God instead of spending money the way that you think money should be spent. Say, Lord, I want to, I want you to rule and reign in this area of my life. What does it look like to surrender my finances to you? And then as he reveals truth about what is good and right for your finances and what will bring peace, you know, he shows you how to give and he shows you how to spend. And then the peace of Christ comes in the area of finances. It's aligning my heart with the Lord in every area of life. Yes. That's when the yeah. peace comes. And it's, it's, I know we use this word a lot, but it is surrender. Mm-hmm. It's surrendering control. It's surrendering being my own God to letting him be God. And that's where the joy and that's where the peace comes from. Yeah. And there's this process. So we know we're going to experience peace in its fullness when we get to heaven, but we can experience peace now as we trust in him. So Yeah. Let's trust him with our finances. Let's trust him with our relationships. Let's trust him with our future. Let's trust him with our heart, the stuff that's that's broken us in the past and that needs to be healed and restored inside of us. And and one at a time, piece by piece, no pun mm. intended. <laughs> okay, maybe it was intended. Piece by piece, as we trust in him, we're going to experience him because peace is a person. Peace is a presence. Peace has a name. He's the Prince of Peace and his name is Jesus. So may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, if Jesus is more than just a nice guy, more than just a prophet, more than just an amazing moral teacher, if Jesus is who he claims he is, the Lord the word of God who became a human being, the one who had to die and rise to save me from my selfishness and sin. If he really is the king and the savior and I give my life over to him, get this, he's going to mess up my plans for my life. He's going to clean house. He's going to turn all the tables over. If, if, If I give my life over to him, it means nothing short of unconditional surrender. So here's Tim Keller, the founding pastor at Redeemer Church in New York City. Jesus says you will never receive the kingdom of God unless you see that it will change everything. It will bring absolute upheavals. Because if I am who I say I am, if I am the Lord of history, not a teacher, not a nice guy, not a nice teacher with proposals, if I am the Lord of history, if I am the Lord of heaven, if he's the one, 
to whom the stars, to us, a star is a world, a universe of exploding, flaming gases. But if Jesus Christ, the one to whom the stars are like pieces of lint, if he is who he says he is, then if he comes down into our lives, he changes everything. You can't ask someone like that into your life to be your secretary. You can't ask a person like that to come into your apartment like you bring a cat in. You put the cat in a corner and nothing else changes. And when anyone comes to Jesus thinking and saying, I'd like to become a Christian, but will he help me be the lawyer I want to be and get through law school? Will he help me find the man or woman of my dreams? Will he help me? Jesus says, you're not, you're not thinking. You're being a coward. Don't you see... If I come into your life, everything will be changed. Your perspective on everything will be changed. No one comes, even begins to understand me unless you're ready for an adventure. And that's putting it, adventure, very mildly. Your priorities, everything will be changed. All bets are off. If you're even going to be open to Jesus, you have to say, if he is who he says he is, everything will change. But you see, there's another side. You see, Jesus, look. I know what you're thinking. You're saying, you know what? I've been thinking about Christianity because I know I need a little something extra. I mean, I know that I, that I have some needs. I know that I'm having trouble just, I need more strength. I need something over the hump. But, you know, if you're trying to rope me in, you're doing a very bad job of it. When you tell me I've got to be ready for these incredible changes, you've turned me off. You know, I don't want this sort of thing. You see, I don't need it. But you see, Jesus is not asking you to do anything that he hasn't endured himself. Jesus is saying, you're telling me that you like this idea of me breaking through and saving you and all these... You want Jesus and a nice little life? My dear friend, in order for me to come to you, I have had to suffer violence. For me to come to you, I've given up my nice little life. The violence of divine justice is going to come down on me. I'm going to be nailed. I'm going to be speared. I'm going to be killed. And to come to you, I suffered the violence of death. And all I'm asking for you to do is, if you come to me, to suffer the violence of life. What's that? Surgery. If you go to a surgeon and you say, heal me, and she puts you under the, under the knife, she's healing you with the violence of life. You've got to be totally vulnerable to her. You know, you've got to be totally still. You've got to give her total control. But it's not the violence of death. It's the violence of life. Jesus Christ says, don't you see? Look at the upheavals I have had to go through in order to come to you. And you don't want to go through any in order to come to me? (laughs) In fact, I must tell you, when I talk to somebody after service in one of the Q&A times, and I see they're upset, agitated even, kind of worried and bothered and upset by what they've heard, agitated and kind of confused by Christianity, (laughs) it's a good sign. It's much better than the smug person that says, well, of course I believe in Christianity. There's no use getting excited about it. It's so good. You know, I think the the places in life that matter to us the most are the places where we are most tempted to just white knuckle it and grab on and say, I am going to control this thing. I have to control this thing because it matters so much to me. And those are the very things that God wants us to entrust to him, mm-hmm. you know, to just release, relinquish control and let him rule and reign and show us what it looks like and what he has for us in that area. And, and it is scary. It's risky because mm-hmm. it means that you can't control it. You can't, you know, hold on to it. You got to actually let it go and, and trust that what he has for you is good. It is an adventure. It's a huge adventure. Yeah. And like in the Chronicles of Narnia, one of the characters says, is he safe? Mm. And another says, safe? No, you're not safe at all. 
but he's good. Yeah, that that's that really sums it up so beautifully. Yeah, C.S. Lewis for the win. But yeah, Jesus, he has a project. When we give our lives, when we give our lives over to him, he has something in mind. It's not just to forgive us our sins. It's certainly not to fulfill all of my Perry dreams. That's not why, you know, he brought me to himself. It's his, his project is to make us, make me, you like him. And that means there's going to be pain because there's surgery that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got this poison of sin. He forgives us, but we still live with it. And we live, we live in a body that, that is prone to wander and so he's he's got this project going on and he puts the knife to it and it's it's a it's a knife and it hurts but it's for for our good and one day we're going to be thankful that we gave our lives to him and that he found us because we will be just like him one day In the Christmas story in the book of Luke we see that the angel appeared to the shepherds in a field and gave a message of good news that would be bring great joy to all the people. And then there were just a whole bunch of angels and they proclaimed glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This is a beautiful story, but it keeps going. Verse 15 says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. This is Luke two seventeen. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. So the shepherds, I mean, there are two things that stand out to me here as far as the shepherds are concerned. Number one, they experienced Jesus. They had a personal encounter with Jesus and they had acted in faith. I love that the scripture doesn't say they went to see if these things had happened as if they were checking to, you know, checking it out. Like, well, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. No, they went in faith. They went to see the thing that has happened is what the scripture says. So in faith, they went to go see it. And there it was, there was the Jesus and the baby Jesus and his mom and his dad. So if you've experienced Jesus like the shepherds, you too have a story to tell. And you don't have to, man, you don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to review, you know, all the points to be able to share the gospel with somebody else or to share how you encounter Jesus with somebody else. Don't have to know the Hebrew. Don't have to know right. the Greek. You know, knowing Christ <clears throat> means that we have experienced Christ, the person of Christ. I was thinking about this yesterday. I know Jesus mm-hmm. because I've experienced him, his person through the spirit in my life. So if you know Jesus, a miracle has happened. That is a miracle that the Spirit has revealed Jesus to you. And so in all the ways that Jesus comes to us, Mm -hmm. not just at the beginning when we started, but how many times have you encountered Jesus' presence in your life? And those are all stories that you can tell. And if we just take like a snapshot of what this looks like, here's one from my own life. Um, I'm talking with somebody and they say, I got this situation and I don't know what to do about it. And I'm like, man, I get it. 
there have been so many times I'm in situations like this in my own experience and my own wisdom doesn't give me what I need for the situation. Actually, I was in a situation like that recently. I was in a a conversation that was really difficult. I didn't like being in it and I didn't know what to do. The person in front of me was really upset and I didn't know how to handle it. And so while I was listening to the person talking to me, I just said, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do I handle this situation? And the Holy Spirit, I had this thought in my mind, I know it was from God that just said, just give that person a hug. And so it was like, I would have not come up with that on my own. And I actually didn't feel like hugging them because they were kind of bristly at the moment, but God gave me what was needed. And I hugged the person and all of the anger just kind of melted away and just went away. So I know what it's like to not know what to do in a circumstance. But for me, I just asked Jesus what to do. And he tells me what to do. I mean, that's just an example of how telling your own story of how you've experienced Jesus can come up in conversation mm-hmm. over lunch at the water cooler, whatever the case may be in a very casual, not weird way. You can tell people what happened in your life and how you encountered Jesus, then invite them to also experience him in the same way. Because when we tell our stories, I say this all the time, but I believe it like seeds of hope get scattered, you know, and they just might fall in a place where they land and they get germinated and they get a little bit of sunshine, they get a little bit of water and, and someday they sprout. And when you tell a story and maybe you don't get the response that you really want, don't worry about that because mm, the Holy good. Spirit's going to take that story and he's going to work that in that person's heart. He's going to bring it back to their mind and he's going to do the work. So don't expect fireworks. If you get them, awesome. But if you don't get the fireworks when you share your story, Know that the Holy Spirit's going to take that and use it. I do think that we're going to have opportunities in the next couple of weeks here, in the next few weeks, maybe even as we're in this Christmas and holiday season, to just talk with people about how we've experienced Jesus. So maybe just take a minute and think about it. Lord, where are the places I've seen you and I've experienced you in my life that I can just share with other people how I've met you and what you've done for me? If Jesus is more than just a nice guy, more than just a prophet, more than just an amazing moral teacher, if Jesus is who he claims he is, the Lord, the Word of God who became a human being, the one who had to die and rise to save me from my selfishness and sin, if he really is the King and the Savior and I give my life all over to him, he's going to mess up my plans for my life. (laughs) He's going to clean house. He's going to turn all the tables over. If I give my life over to him, and I have, it means nothing short of unconditional surrender. So here's Tim Keller, the founding pastor at Redeemer Church in New York City. Jesus says you will never receive the kingdom of God unless you see that it will change everything. It will bring absolute upheavals. Because if I am who I say I am, if I am the Lord of history, not a teacher, not a nice guy, not a nice teacher with proposals. If I am the Lord of history, if I am the Lord of heaven, if he's the one to whom the stars, to us a star is a world, a universe of exploding flaming gases. But if Jesus Christ, the one to whom the stars are like pieces of lint, if he is who he says he is, then if he comes down into our lives, he changes everything. 
You can't ask someone like that into your life to be your secretary. You can't ask a person like that to come into your apartment like you bring a cat in. You put the cat in a corner and nothing else changes. And when anyone comes to Jesus thinking and saying, I'd like to become a Christian, but will he help me be the lawyer I want to be and get through law school? Will he help me find the man or woman of my dreams? Will he help me? Jesus says, you're not not thinking. You're being a coward. Don't you see... If I come into your life, everything will be changed. Your perspective on everything will be changed. No one comes, even begins to understand me unless you're ready for an adventure. And that's putting it, adventure, very mildly. Your priorities, everything will be changed. All bets are off. If you're even going to be open to Jesus, you have to say, if he is who he says he is, everything will change. But you see, there's another side. You see, Jesus, look. I know what you're thinking. You're saying, you know what? I've been thinking about Christianity because I know I need a little something extra. I mean, I know that I, that I have some needs. I know that I'm having trouble just, I need more strength. I need something over the hump. But, you know, if you're trying to rope me in, you're doing a very bad job of it. When you tell me I've got to be ready for these incredible changes, you've turned me off. You know, I don't want this sort of thing. You see, I don't need it. But you see, Jesus is not asking you to do anything that he hasn't endured himself. Jesus is saying, you're telling me that you like this idea of me breaking through and saving you and all these... You want Jesus and a nice little life? My dear friend, in order for me to come to you, I have had to suffer violence. For me to come to you, I've given up my nice little life. The violence of divine justice is going to come down on me. I'm going to be nailed. I'm going to be speared. I'm going to be killed. And to come to you, I suffered the violence of death. And all I'm asking for you to do is, if you come to me, to suffer the violence of life. What's that? Surgery. If you go to a surgeon and you say, heal me, and she puts you under the, under the knife, she's healing you with the violence of life. You've got to be totally vulnerable to her. You know, you've got to be totally still. You've got to give her total control. But it's not the violence of death. It's the violence of life. Jesus Christ says, don't you see? Look at the upheavals I have had to go through in order to come to you. And you don't want to go through any in order to come to me? (laughs) In fact, I must tell you, when I talk to somebody after service in one of the Q&A times, and I see they're upset, agitated even, kind of worried and bothered and upset by what they've heard, agitated and kind of confused by Christianity, (laughs) it's a good sign. It's much better than the smug person that says, well, of course I believe in Christianity. There's no use getting excited about it. That's Tim Keller, the founding pastor of Redeemer Church in New York City. And there's always been this part of me since I started my journey of, Jesus, would you just fulfill my dreams for my mm-hmm. life? And, you know, of course, that's not that's not it at all. Jesus isn't the divine genie who's there to make all my dreams come true. But, you know, that's been kind of underlying, an underlying expectation and hope And it's not that Jesus doesn't make dreams come true, but his main mission is to make me like him. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be painful. He tells us it's going to be painful. What I'm giving you is brand new life. And that brand new life is going to keep breaking through your selfishness and your pride. And that's going to hurt. But man, when you see the finished product, you're going to be so happy that you gave your life over to me because we'll be shining like the the morning sun once he finishes this great work in us. 
I think for me personally, you know, it's, I can only see so far in front of me and I, my wants and my needs and even my dreams are so right now, you know, they're just right now. And God is the God of eternity and what he has in mind for us is so much better than what we can see from our perspective. Mm. If we just simply surrender the right now dreams, he's like, oh man, you got no idea Mm -hmm. the great things I have for you. Just Mm -hmm. open up your hands and, and watch me work. See what I can do. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus, that you know what you're doing. We have such a small picture of what things should look like and you have the big picture in mind and And so we just surrender to you again. We just completely, unconditionally surrender again. God saw you and me struggling against the hurricane force of winds, the hurricane force winds of life. He saw us plummeted and pummeled and pushed backward, and he decided to do something. He decided to write himself into our story so that he could put us on his shoulders and bear the full force of those hurricane winds to bring us into the quiet of a silent night, holy night. Here's Tim Keller, the founding pastor of Redeemer Church in New York City. Dorothy L. Sayers was a woman who lived some years ago, and she was one of the first women who ever graduated from Oxford, and she was a writer of mystery detective stories. And her most famous character was Lord Peter Whimsey, who was an aristocrat who um, solved mysteries. And in the middle of all these novels and short stories about Lord Peter Whimsey, who was a single man for a big period of time, suddenly a woman appears in the novels. Her name is Harriet Vane. She's not very particularly good looking. She's one of the first women who ever graduated from Oxford. She's a writer of detective fiction. And she and Peter meet and they solve a couple of of mysteries and then they fall in love and live happily ever after. And many people have said that Dorothy Sayers looked into the world she created and looked at the man that she created and fell in love with him and wrote herself into the story because she saw he was lonely and he needed someone to save him. And so she wrote herself into the story and they lived happily ever after. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that moving? Of course it's moving. And yet God has actually done that. The teaching of Christmas is that the love who created the world and who created us, and who knows that we've gone astray and we've gone away from him and we're in a mess. God has looked into the world that he created. He's looked at us, the main character in the world, human race, and he's loved us. He wrote himself into the play. He wrote himself into our lives. That's why he was born in a manger. And he came to save us, to live the life we should have lived, to die the death we should have died in our place. There's a barrier between us and God, and as everybody knows, when you wrong someone, there's a barrier in that relationship. Until it's dealt with, God had to deal with it, and that's how he came. Man, and that loneliness that we all feel and experience, we just try in every way we know how to fill it with stuff that's here, stuff that's temporary, but it just so does not meet the need. And God in his goodness said, I'm here, and I am your full portion. I am everything that you need. It's found in me. We have the love of Jesus, not just this Christmas, but always. That's the good news. I think of how popular Marvel movies are. The superhero movies have become in the last, I don't know, 15 years. 
And I think it just shows that our culture is longing mm. for a hero. You know, so many things are have gone off the rails in our culture and in our world. And I know that the world has always been this way, but we're so we're such a global community now and we're so connected. We're connected in good ways, but we're also connected to all of the pain and the suffering in the world. And I think, you know, out of the rubble of that has risen up these superhero, Marvel superhero movies, because in our hearts we long for a hero to come. Mm -hmm. And the hero has come. He's come to save us. He's come to save the day. He's come to set everything right. And if you throw your life into Jesus, God's word says that if you are in Christ, if you throw yourself into Christ, you become a new creation, that the old will begin to fall away and the new will begin to break forth into your life. Thanks for listening to Perry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.